Hi, I'm Dr. Constantine Jean. I'm a member of the Western Occupational Health Conference Planning Committee, and I'd like to invite you to Phoenix, Arizona, this September 29th through October 2nd, 2021, for in-person education and networking. Here you'll participate in educational content on current topics in occupational medicine and meet our amazing speakers, such as Dr. George Post. He's one of the speakers for the After the Pandemic plenary session. Here's a live look at our upcoming presentation as Dr. Post speaks on pandemic planning and institutional malaise. So a, pa a pattern of cyclic neglect, like, like uh, awareness and then cyclic neglect, and awareness uh, and cyclic neglect. Absolutely, but even and, uh, but even even when there was you know in the in the feast and famine cycle, even in the feast, there was not necessarily a sensible approach to embedding long-term capabilities and preparedness. So if you build wonderful, wonderful facilities, but you can't staff them, or you have no way of training staff, I mean, the, there are many dedicated professionals clearly in the public health service, but for the most part, they've been underfunded. They don't have competitive salaries with the, with the, private, uh, with the private sector. And given the fast pace of contemporary technologies, they really are not up to speed and it wasn't then just a failure of CDC's technical capabilities. It extends to others. Why can't NASA now launch its own rockets? It's totally dependent upon uh, the private sector. And so I think there are, there's a much sort of broader malaise here, but it does come down to this, I would argue, out of sight, out of mind, uh, an emergency occurs. And I forget which CDC director to attribute this to. He said, if we do our job well, nothing happens, and then they cut our budget. You're talking to occupational physicians who are uh, uh, part of the uh, boards of preventive medicine. We understand this issue very well. <laughs> right. Uh, but then I think, you know, to, to Paul's point, I think, you know, the primacy of outreach to the private sector and I think a key lesson learned is the fact there must be a much more proactive approach to this. So whether you're talking about uh, PPE, ventilators, diagnostics, therapeutics, vaccines, uh, I mean, we're, ju we're just very fortunate that uh, the messenger RNA came along at just the right time, because if we'd been dependent upon some of the more traditional vaccine technologies, we would have not had the capacity to immunize the population as we are doing now. And of course, that was a technology, as you all understand, which has been in incubation uh, since around uh, 2008. Here, Dr. Post discusses preserving the institutional memory of the pandemic and how to have people trust the information you're communicating. How do we memorialize this going forward um, so that when the next pandemic comes around or the next um, critical issue that needs to marshal a multidisciplinary response. What are some strategies or tips that you might offer for that? And, I, and anything else from the other attendees on, on our talk today? Uh, uh, before uh, you answer that, um, uh, uh, most of us, I think, have read uh, the, the Great Pandemic, and it looks like a lot of the same mistakes that were made in 2020 were made in 1918 and 1917 and 1916. And so uh, as you answer the question, if you can kind of talk about the, the, the broad perspective as well. Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Constantine. There is a sort of, there is a persistent theme. It brings us back to sort of out of sight, out of mind. I mean, I think that 
I think it, it's it's fair to say that the sort of broader societal effects, uh, looking at this in both global terms and national terms, I think this will actually have an enduring effect upon society for some time. Uh, so in that sense, the, the, that element of institutional memory will be there, but it could all too quickly fade. I mean, mm. if, if we if we go back and look at uh, you know the previous episodes of uh, 58 or even even H1N1 in 2009, uh, it didn't take long for people to quickly uh, uh, sort of relegate that to uh, the dustbin of history without even thinking about the, the consequences of it. So, but I think it does come down to, even if delightfully at one level, society can resume, quote, the new normal, it, it does require, back to the point that Paul and others have made, a very much more rigorous, if we, do, if we fail to engage in a, constructing at the organizational level a far more robust private-public partnership, whenever the next event occurs, uh, we will be back in the, the, the same molasses that we were in before. But I think so if you actually had prepackaged modules, and whether it related to the logistics of do not go to hospital X, or if you have to close road Y, and so forth, and have those on a constantly rolling basis, it would be a far more authoritative issue. So all the strident cacophony of divisive voices that we heard throughout, whether it be uh, the president or any others in this, I think that's a big lesson learned. So I think communication and countering disinformation is as important as anything we can do technologically or organizationally to streamline our supply chains. Unless we get to grips with that, we will have another debacle on our hands. George, I hope you'll take a few moments to, to talk about that. I, I think that's, I think those are key ideas. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think we've, we've got to figure out how to get truth into the ears of the, of the general public. And we have gotten, we don't know how to do that with all of our current political constraints and legal constraints. Yeah. Not just the truth, but truth that people will hear and yep. believe. Yep. After the end of the session, we explore novel avenues for public health preparedness. George, uh, two brief topics that if you have a moment to talk yep. about during your talk. One is, w would there be a bigger role for the military? The military has a role, but I think it really does come down cosmetically. We need much more robust civilian capabilities and obviously the public health infrastructure and all the other agencies you spoke of and they've and there has to be a far more integrated cross-agency framework within a government because otherwise you're still going to have NIH arguing with CDC, CDC arguing with DHS, DHS arguing with the intelligence agencies uh, and, and, and so I forth, think, you so know, stating the obvious again to this group one of the real sort of drivers in so much of this now is the convergence between biomedicine, engineering, and computing. Mm -hmm. That also broadens the spectrum of what the interfaces have got to be. So, I mean, if you just take the repertoire of diagnostic technologies that we should have available, not only to deal with something at home, but in terms of global biosurveillance, you know, there's so much being done in that area now, it's really quite as the technologies are quite elegant, is whether or not they're going to be deployable. We hope you enjoyed this glimpse of the After the Pandemic session 
which is one of the many topics that will be discussed at the WHC 2021, A Time for Renewal and Rejuvenation. Register for this live conference at www.woma.org and reconnect with your occupational medicine community in Phoenix, Arizona this September 29th through October 2nd. Thank you.